Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we are coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. Hi, Justine. Hi, Natalie. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And actually, when I said hello earlier, I kind of felt like I should say it's bouquet. <laughs> That's the kind of mood I'm in today. <laughs> Well, I'll just sit quietly over here and let you do your thing. <laughs> On our show today, we are going to be talking reader-likes. Yes. Now, a reader-like is when you read a book and you think, God, I love that reading experience so much. I wish there was another book similar to that that I could also read and enjoy. Well, folks, here we are to help you. So Justin and I have picked three books. We've both read them and then we've each come up with one in addition to that that we feel is similar to the book that we mutually read. Mm-hmm. How's that for an explanation? <laughs> Made sense to me. Alrighty. Well, before we get started, we want to remind our readers and listeners that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So please do tweet us at Melb Library. That's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader. Or you can join in the conversation on our Goodreads page. And all the books that we'll mention today on our podcast will be listed in the show notes, which will pop up in a Goodreads discussion on our Goodreads page. And you can access that via the library website, which is www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au. All right, Justine, what's the first reader like? Okay, so uh, the first book that we've both read is Not That Kind of Girl by Lena Dunham. Mm-hmm. It's a funny feminist essay collection, which is nakedly candid, just as nakedly candid and self-critical and witty and relatable as um, Lena Dunham's filmed work, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. But if you haven't seen Girls, you should give it a go. Just be prepared to cringe. Um, And this essay collection is told in a really friendly sort of conspiratorial tone that makes the readers feel like her close friends. So we've each picked a book that is a reader-like to that. And my first reader-like is a bit older. It's a 2006 book and it's called I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts on Being a Woman by Nora Ephron. (laughs) Great title. Of course you picked Nora Ephron. Well, I could have picked anything by Nora Ephron and that's just what immediately sprang to mind, you know, reading her work. And and again, also with that film connection too. I'm sure most people know when Harry Met Sally and Heartburn and things like that. So, um this collection, I Feel Bad About My Neck, is a collection of essays, um, very self-deprecating, told in a quite a humble tone and yet really, really smart, as Nora Ephron's work tends to be. It's very revealing, but only to a point. The author's never asking for your sympathy, but she's just telling you about how life is for her. I really liked this because I, when I was um, reading Not That Kind of Girl, I was thinking, oh, this is like a young Nora Ephron. <laughs> so it kind of just flowed on from there. And I reread it recently and I was like, yeah, this is just as fun as I remembered. And it is that um, it's a bit older, so it, it's told from the point of view of an older woman. But I, I felt like it could have been Lena I'm telling the same story in a way. Um, She offers reflections on her life as a talker and a writer, as well as a flinching but honest look at the image she lately confronts in the mirror. It's really like that flinch, whereas you look and you go, you don't like what you see. (laughs) Um, It's only a small collection of essays, but there's heaps of nuggets of wisdom that you can take to the bank. Never marry a man you wouldn't want to be divorced from is one of them, (laughs) which I I thought was an interesting phrase. Is that Um, a whole chapter? (laughs) 
<laughs> You'll have to read it to find out. Um, I liked this one because it is it is so true for me. Don't buy anything 100% wool, even if it seems to be very soft and not particularly itchy when you try it on in the store. Because as soon as you take it home, <laughs> you know, for me anyway, my skin just goes rash. So, yeah, small things, but very meaningful. Um, it's very funny. It's told in that same conspiratorial tone that I felt anyway when I was reading Not That Kind of Girl. And I feel like it's a, a great book to read before, during and after you've read Not That Kind of Girl. So that is <laughs> I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts on Being a Woman by Nora Ephron. Nice choice. <laughs> I chose uh, a similar book, my read alike, for Not That Kind of Girl, um, similar in the sense that it's written by a woman in the public eye and that, oh, I guess it's similar to Nora Ephron, really. It's written by a person um, that might be familiar from the, the television and the music headphones um, <laughs> and a woman who reflects on her own life and growing up and um, kind of brings you up to speed on what experiences she's had thus far and how they've shaped her. The book is called Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl by Carrie Brownstein. Carrie is a musician, an author, an actor and also a television scriptwriter. She stars in, or she's one of the two stars of the TV show Portlandia. Um, I love that show. And she's also been in a number of really significant bands that have certainly shaped my uh, musical education, but Slater Kinney is the one that she started first. Well, she was in another band before that, but Slater Kinney are probably the one, the band that she's most well known for. Um, her writing, Carrie's writing is remarkable. Um, the book itself is a little jumpy, um, and it's not, it's kind of non-linear. It does go backwards and forwards in time. And there are parts of the book, and as I'm reading them, I'm thinking, did this happen before you met that person or after you joined that band or before that tour? So try, and you know, I guess as you get further into the book, you can kind of piece it all together. That is actually quite clever on the part of the author and just me being a confused reader and <laughs> reading it in installments and different uh, in different places and at different times and reading other books in between. So um, I think it'd be easier to, to read it in a session or a series of sessions and not interrupt it. Um, Carrie reflects back on her family experiences of growing up and that whole time frame where you start to realise who you are and how you've changed from the last time you thought about who you are <laughs> and how that how they can change without you really paying too much attention over time. Um, she looks back and she shares different um, experiences and relationships that she's had. And with this book and certainly with Lena Dunham's book, you get a glimpse into that whole manufactured uh, celebrity life and what it is to live as somebody who's quite um, recognisable. Um, and it's that whole – and it's also the culture of what it is to exist in a world where you're just being creative, which – I, th I appreciate knowing uh, that experience more so than the celebrity experience. You know, be being in a, a really lucky position to be able to create art for a living, and what that's what that's actually like on a day to day basis. There's so many questions I have about that. So that's kind of nice to peel back those layers and um, get a sense of what opportunities presented themselves um, to people like Carrie and Lena over their lives for them and the choices that they made um, for them to, to end up as significantly successful women creating, you know, wonderful pieces of creative art. <laughs> um, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl, Carrie Brownstein, highly recommended. Fabulous. Now, our second read-alike? The second read-alike. Um, so the book that we chose and both read was My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferranti. It's got to be the 
greatest book ever written in the history of literature. And I know I'm, I'm not quite sure about that. I know I'm alone <laughs> in thinking that, certainly in this recording studio. <laughs> but My Brilliant Friend is the first in a series of four novels that chronicles the lives of two women who are best friends from a very young age. It chronicles and uh, kind of breaks open their very complicated relationship. Um, they are friends, but it transgresses into uh, when a friendship becomes like a family and they effectively are de facto siblings, not through any kind of marriage to each other's brothers. I just mean that they are so close as friends that they kind of morph into treating each other with that unconditional love that you can really only inflict on a sibling. Um, they are unfair to each other. Their relationship is raw and real and the book is beautifully written, absolutely engaging, and you're drawn in from the first chapter to find out exactly what these two women experience over the four books that chronicle their lives. Now, the book that I chose that gave me a similar reading experience to my brilliant friend was called Did You Ever Have a Family by Bill Clegg. It's important to mention that there's no punctuation in that. It's not a question, did you ever have a family? It's a statement, did you ever have a family? Mm. Actually is explained in the book, so I'm not going to do that job for you, but I am certainly going to tell you that it's a, it's a significant portion of the book. Um, very, very quickly, the premise of the book is that a woman named June um, wakes up after a fire has destroyed her home and unfortunately the fire has killed her daughter, her daughter's fiancé, her ex-husband and her boyfriend and this all this tragedy happens on the eve of her daughter's wedding. So... <laughs> June finds herself absolutely bereft, entirely alone, and her family has all but vanished in one tragic incident. Um, the book is told uh, each chapter from a different character, so it takes the entire book to piece together all the relationships that June has with each of the four people who pass away in that fire and certainly all of the other people in in her local community. Um and she has a number of really interesting friendships and relationships. Certainly the relationship with her daughter is the most significant um, and the relationship she has with her boyfriend's mother, who's the same age as her. Her boyfriend is significantly younger than her. So she has a number of relationships with women that are told and uh, revealed as the book goes on. And I found that I mean, there's so many things to pull out of this book, but the relationships that the main character has with women as she experiences a devastating grief and loss, um, I found that the common thread for me um, to link it back to my brilliant friend, which is that chronicle of two, two women's friendship over a significant amount of time. So my read-alike is Did You Ever Have a Family by Bill Clegg. It's absolutely brilliant. Sounds very interesting. I've not heard of it before. I'm looking mm. forward to that one. Well, you have now. I have Do not indeed. pass it by. <laughs> well, my read-alike for My Brilliant Friend is a book that was published in 2014. Uh, it's the first in a planned trilogy of novels about an Iowa family over the course of generations, and it was long-listed for the 2014 National Book Award. It's called Some Luck by Jane Smiley, who's also a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. So the projected trilogy is called The Last Hundred Years, and that is a title that you can totally take literally. <laughs> um, this opening volume, Some Luck, follows the story of the Langdons, 
uh, an Iowan farming family from 1920 to 1953, with a chapter for each year. And this period takes us from the aftermath of the First World War via the Depression and the Second World War to the era of the atomic bomb. So it's a pretty significant events happening in this first book. Um, We see these events through the novel's shifting point of view, through the eyes of different characters. There's a a wide, you know, sort of field of characters, the family. There's um, five children. There's the parents. There's various others that come in as well. So um, it's there's a lot of different perspectives. And I really quite liked that. I thought it was was very nice to we start with um, Walter. Uh, Walter Langdon, who's only 25 but has um, his own um, farm and uh, I really liked how it opened too. It gave a real sense of place, which is kind of what I picked up on from my brilliant friend being said in Naples. Um, this this book, Some Luck, really also gives you that same, it draws you in and, and it, it talks about, it's very detailed and very um, descriptive and you really get a sense of the, the farming um, area in Iowa. Um, there's dramatic childbirths, meandering romances, long lives and unexpected deaths and it's all set against this gradual encroachment of modernity and um, and how that changes their lives. It's not a simple novel and at its heart it's a look at what family can mean across generations and so that was my, my reader like for my brilliant friend Some Luck by Jane Smiley. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to the next one, actually. Yeah. I thought it was a lot older than 2014. It seems like I read it so long ago. <laughs> um, and then My Brilliant Friend came out and uh, and just, yeah, the connections are there. So. Hmm. Now, what's the third book that we chose? So the third read-alike that we've picked for our recording today is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Station Eleven is dystopian science fiction set 20 years in the future after a very fast-moving flu has killed off most of humanity. It's told in a non-linear fashion, following a few characters and bouncing between timelines. It is a quiet and almost slow-moving story, but it's quite compelling and it's full of that quiet tension that just sort of makes you want to turn the page. I really enjoyed Station Eleven. And my read-alike for Station Eleven is a book that was published in 2015, uh, Gold Fame Citrus by Claire Vey Watkins. It's the author's second book, but it's actually her first novel. Her first book was a story collection called Battleborn, which was critically acclaimed, and I have yet to read it, but it's on my list. <laughs> um, Gold Fame Citrus is a very different kind of dystopia, as was Station Eleven. This is one that really illuminates the spiritual coping mechanisms of those living in a in an apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, like Station Eleven, there is a um, prophet, prophetic character, a prophet, a someone who um, verges on being quite crazy. <laughs> um, and Goldfame Citrus looks at it from the point of view of people that get sort of seduced by this prophet. So there's an unrelenting drought that's transfigured Southern California into this surreal landscape. Um, the, the main... Uh, Two protagonists um, are in somehow in love, and their love is okay, and go, they're going along, they're surviving, but only barely. But it's survival, and they're okay with that. But then they cross paths with this mysterious child who um, doesn't seem to be able to speak, whether because she's so young or because there's some sort of learning difficulty. We don't really know. Um, but they call her Ig, and um, basically they kidnap her. It's all very strange, and they decide that they want a better future for her, and they don't see that she has a future without them. So they they take her and they they go and they look for a better life. They 
end up going into probably the worst place they could and um, they start searching. They've heard these rumours of a visionary dowser or a diviner of water and his followers and uh, they end up looking for this colony in order to survive. It's really moving. It's quite... um, disquieting. It's also very original. Like Station Eleven, I'd never read anything like this before. I thought it was very, very good. It's hopeful like Station Eleven, but it's probably a little less hopeful, (laughs) to put it politely. It's about the double-edged power of love and friendship and hope and that um, how we try uh, as humans, we, we we hope regardless of what our circumstances are. It's told uh, in a very interesting manner as well. There's some chapters that are quite separate from the main storyline but that illuminate parts of the storyline later on, um, which I quite liked and mm. also reminded me of Station Eleven's nonlinear storytelling technique. So that is Gold Fame Citrus by Claire Vay Watkins. Good choice. <laughs> My Station Eleven read-alike is called 10th of December by George Saunders. It's a collection of short stories. George Saunders is a US author. At one point he was a geophysical engineer, just to give you a sense Ooh. of where he might be drawing from in the short stories that he writes. His collection is a series of stories that pretty much paint a really bleak and dark vision of the future. Um, his writing is really charming and quite witty, but it's also otherworldly. They're they're stories that are set in a situation that would be familiar to you or I in our everyday regular lives, but something a little bit off about it. Um, He creates environments where unusual things become a reality or become a possibility, and that's the kind of link I was making to make it to a reader like with Station Eleven where it's um it's not that improbable that a flu would wipe out a lot or a, any kind of contagious disease might wipe out a, a portion of the population. These stories in George Saunders's world are a little bit improbable in that way. Um, but he creates worlds where these things could potentially happen. Um, two particular or well, three particular stories stand out, but the two of them that are probably the most uh, uh, apocalyptic, I suppose, <laughs> dystopian at the, at the very least. One's called Escape from Spiderhead, which is about um, a gentleman who goes and does a series of medical trials and the medicines that he's given um, alter his emotions and his behaviour in certain ways and cause him to experience things that he wouldn't normally experience. And then... Um, the second story that I wanted to mention was called The Semplica Girl Diaries and this is about a uh, keeping up with the Joneses type story where the latest fashion or trend is to string up women sort of on, on fishing wire. They are alive but they're kind of sewn together in this very creepy way and they wear these white flowing robes and so they are effectively lawn ornaments but they're human women. So it's this... Creepy. It's utterly creepy. But the story is told in this kind of, yep, 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 this is how we keep up with our neighbours. They've got them. We need them. Their big birthday party was bigger than our birthday party. Our next birthday party's got to be bigger than their birthday party. But it's kind of told in, yeah, it's just quite remarkable. George Saunders is a remarkable writer. The third story is the title story, 10th of December, and um, that's an experience of wanting to run away and finding someone else who already has and then both finding your way to a place that feels like home. 
beautifully, absolutely beautifully written. George Saunders is quite remarkable. He has a real voice, like a real voice in his writing. Highly recommended. Fabulous. So what are you going to be reading next? Well, the reading pile continues to grow. <laughs> Doesn't it always? Yes, it does. Uh, but amongst the top is um, The Good Girl by Mary Kubica. It's been described to me as a page-turning thriller and I'm ready to kind of dive right into something like that. So awesome. that might be up next for me. What about you? Well, actually, I was really pleased that you mentioned Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl by Carrie Brownstein because that is right on top of my pile at the moment and I'm Perfect. very excited about it. So. You will love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it'll take me long. No. Yeah, I really love engaging. Portlandia. Yes. Anytime anybody mentions it, and nobody's going to get this unless you've watched Portlandia, but I just always want to say, put a bird on it. <laughs> it's pretty much the catchphrase. It is, isn't, isn't it? it? Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au. And we would love you to tell us what you've been reading. We're curious little bunnies. We, we want to know what everyone else is reading too. And we would love the opportunity to recommend a book for you. Certainly, if our reader like service has proven um, that we are more than capable of helping you find your next read if you've loved a particular book. We we're more than happy to help you do that. You can tweet us at Melb Library, that's M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader or join the conversation on our Goodreads page. The music that you've heard on our program today is by Ben Mason. You can listen to more of his tunes at www.benmason.com.au. And until next time, Dear Reader, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.